Do you remember the first time that Jesus became more than a name to you? When you accepted Jesus into your life and allowed him to be your Lord and Savior? I have some exciting news to share with you today. We're celebrating two people who uh, had that happen here recently. And uh, if you're new at Grace Point, whenever we light this candle, it symbolizes the light of Jesus Christ coming on in someone's life for the very first time. And I want you to celebrate with me as we've had two more accept Christ. Amen. Amen. I want to challenge you to be looking for people in your circle of influence. Scripture tells us to be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have. Somebody around you desperately needs to hear the good news. They're waiting for you and I to seize that opportunity and share with them. If you're praying with someone and they accept Christ, let me know. I want to know. We want to celebrate together as a body of believers. Grab your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're continuing in our series, Growing Deeper. As you remember, the last number of weeks, we've been watching and listening and participating with Paul as he challenges not only the church of Corinth, but he says there in the beginning of chapter 1, to Christians, to believers everywhere, the challenge to grow deeper, to grow up in the faith, to put roots down deep. He gives us markers of what maturity looks like in the church and what it should look like in our own lives. And he's talked to us about moving from division to unity. He has talked to us about moving from compromise to commitment. We've seen a call to not just attend worship gatherings, but to worship with our very life. Today, we're going to be looking at his call to move from sitting back and observing and just kind of being on the sidelines to serving, from sitting to serving. Take your Bibles, look with me at chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. I'll be starting at verse 1. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers. I do not want you to be ignorant. When I read that, I thought that was kind of kind of him. He didn't want him to be ignorant. Have you ever felt ignorant before? Has anybody told you that you are ignorant before? You know, it's an interesting thing. Uh, You know, ignorance is different than stupidity. Uh, You can only be ignorant for so long. And uh, so if someone tells you you're ignorant, don't don't be too upset because pretty soon someone could educate you and then you, you know the difference and you're not ignorant anymore. Now, you may have an issue with stupidity and that's a whole other topic. We'll give some counsel there on those things. But he is saying, hey, no longer do I want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to have the excuse that you just didn't know. It's too important for you to know about spiritual gifts that I need to make sure that you catch what God has intended for you and for the body of believers. We see that Paul is going to be talking about spiritual gifts. Paul is trying to put the church on solid ground, point them in the right direction, and he's announcing to them that each and every one of them has been given a gift by God. And each and every one of them is called to use their spiritual gift in serving somebody else. He wants to make it clear that they need to move from just sitting And it's time to move into serving. Now, these topics of spiritual gifts, it's not only found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We find it in a couple other chapters in the New Testament as well. Romans chapter 12 and Ephesians chapter 4 and our text today, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. They all talk about the topic of spiritual gifts. 
Now, each time that we see spiritual gifts brought up in the New Testament, there is three common threads, three words that go through each chapter. At the top of your outline, if you're taking notes, jot this down with me. Wherever spiritual gifts are talked about in the New Testament, you find these words there. The first one is unity. Where there's spiritual gifts, there needs to be unity. Paul is saying, hey, if you are to use the gift that God has given you, if it's dividing people, this is not a biblical use of your spiritual gift. There should be unity. There's also diversity. If you were to think that you should look exactly like the person to your left and your right and how they serve and how they have been gifted, that that is not a biblical model of spiritual gifts. That there is unity, yes, but there's also diversity. There's differences among us and how God has chosen to equip us and to gift us. A third one that we see there is maturity. That we are to grow up in the area of spiritual gifts. This is a place that it can drive us into the deep things of God if we would begin to utilize the gifts that he has given to us. Anytime spiritual gifts are talked about, We need to remember these three themes. Now, Paul is addressing in this chapter a tendency that Corinth had, and it's the same that we have in in every church. Whenever believers gather together, if it's a big church or a small church, if it's a first century church or if it's a church today, there's a tendency to kind of turn inward on ourselves. It's a tendency to get complacent, to get comfortable, and, and to stop reaching out beyond yourself. He says, stop sitting and start serving. Stop just thinking somebody else will do it. Start using your gifts the way God has called you to use your gift. Now, if you're in business or you're part of an organization, you're very well aware of the principle that is, that is true that 20% of the people often do 80% of the work. Now, that's not just true in your company. That's not just true in your organization. That may or may not be true in your home, but it's often true in the church. That there's so many people who will just sit back and not serve with the gift that God has called them to. Paul is saying, wake up, Church of Corinth. Wake up, Church of Grace Point. You need to move into an area of serving. It will grow you deeper in the things of God. It will show the maturity of you and the body of believers that you worship with. See, if we're not careful, we can get just as comfortable and complacent as those did in Corinth. In our minds, we must realize that service has got to be more than just a noun, a thing. It's not just a 9 o'clock service and a 1045 service, some thing that we attend, but service needs to be an action. It needs to be a way of life of how we live in relationship to one another and in relationship to people outside the body of Christ. Now, Peter talks about this in 1 Peter 4.10. Just listen to this. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in various forms. It's not just in one isolated passage. It's woven all throughout the New Testament for us to give away the gift that God has given to us, to serve people outside of our circle and giving the grace that God has given to us, and it's going to come in different forms. As I was studying and preparing for... uh, Today's message in chapter 12, you know i got to walk. And this is a fun idea to put here, but I'm just going to have to move it so I can walk. I walk and talk. If I'm on the phone, i got to walk. That's just what happens. So uh, i got to get closer to you guys over here. 
In chapter 12, there, there's probably a hundred different ways that, that we could approach this topic today. I could have taken time to uh, go through each spiritual gift that, that Paul talks about, and, and I could have uh, digested each one and begin to understand what it is and what it is not and, and how it could be used and how do you know if you have it. We could have taken time today to, to talk about a spiritual gift inventory and, and, and to begin to discover what your specific gifts are, and, and, and all that is good. But I, that's not where I felt God impressed me to take this teaching from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You see, because I think for most of us, our our greatest challenge is not that we don't understand the gifts as much. It's not that we don't know what gifts we may have. And if you're still not sure of what your spiritual gift is, we can help you find that. But a greater challenge for us today is, why don't we use the gifts that God has given us? Why don't we serve? Why don't we step out and live in obedience to what Paul is talking about? I think... This is the heart of where God wants us to spend some time in this chapter today. We come up with excuses. I was invited to a meeting uh, a number of days ago, and and I uh, had fun coming up with an excuse. I replied to the email, and I said, I'd love to go to the meeting, but I'm going to be washing my hair that night. The, The response was, that's very funny. We accept your attendance, and we know that you'll come. You know, we can give all kinds of excuses, whether they're lame excuses or or good excuses, creative or or not very creative excuses. We give excuses in the area of serving. And I believe that Paul wants to speak to this in this chapter. Let's look at a few excuses that we make. If you're taking notes, number one here, first is the excuse of inadequacy. I think one reason why we don't serve, we don't use our spiritual gifts, is this excuse of inadequacy. It's the heart that says, I've got nothing to offer. I don't have anything to offer. I would serve, I just, I'm inadequate. I don't have what it takes to serve. I don't have what it takes to do the job. I'm inadequate. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 4 says this, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in, now catch this, in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So Paul says, there are different gifts. There are different kinds of service, but it comes from the same Spirit of God. And check this out. It is given to all men, to all women. And so... Every single person in this room has been given a gift by God to use in service, in serving somebody else. We could try to claim ignorance, but but I'm going to take that away from you today. You're no longer going to be ignorant. You, You may choose not to use your gift, but you have been given a gift by God to use in service. Well, if we have all been given a gift, every single one of us that trusts in Jesus, then why do we make this excuse of feeling so inadequate. I want you to know that even though you feel inadequate, that's not the truth. God has given you a gift. Now, I'm not making light of your feeling. Your feeling may, may very well be real to you that you feel inadequate. Satan would love nothing more than to sideline you and make you feel like you don't have anything to bring to the table. But you see, this excuse that Satan wants to plant in your mind, it's not new. It's all throughout Scripture. When God called Moses to free his people from Egypt, Moses said, 
But God, I'm not a good speaker. I'm inadequate. I don't have what it takes. When God called Gideon to lead his people against the Midianites, Gideon said to God, Who am I, God? I am the least of my family. And my family is the least of the tribe. I don't have the the pedigree. I don't have the heritage. I don't have the social standing to do what, what it is you're asking me to do. I am inadequate. Sometimes we... We feel the same way. When God calls us to serve, we say, God, it's not that I'm not willing. I just, I just don't have anything to offer. But well, where does this excuse come from? I think there's two places that primarily comes from. One, jot this down, behind this excuse is a feeling of failure. I'm inadequate. I don't have what it takes because I feel like I'm a failure. I think these feelings had to be in the church of Corinth. If you remember from chapter 6 and Corinthians, Paul talks to the Corinthians about themselves. Listen, let me remind you what he says about this church. Before you were Christians, many of you were adulterers. You were prostitutes, homosexual offenders, idolaters, thieves, drunkards, liars. I'm sure they didn't feel like they had a lot to offer God. I'm sure they didn't feel like they had a lot to offer the body of Christ. They didn't feel like they deserved to be used by God. Maybe when you hear those words, some of those words conjure up feelings that you could identify with. Maybe the list needs to be lengthened for you, but you just feel like, who am I to deserve to be used by God? If you're feeling that way today, you say, I can't be used by God. I've committed adultery. God can't use me. Really? King David did the same thing, and God used David. Maybe you've been guilty of deceiving someone or lying to them, and, and that's become a pattern for you. And you say, well, God can't use me because I'm, I'm a liar. He used Abraham, and he used Isaac. Even if you were involved in blatant sexual immorality, God can still use you. He used Rahab. Maybe you have a temper. You get angry real fast and you, you can't control yourself very much. You say, you know what, I'm, I'm just not able to be used in service because I'm going to blow it. God can still use you. He used James and he used John. Maybe you've been inconsistent in your faith. There's times when you started out strong and you've been on fire for God and then life happens and then you wane and then you become complacent and you backslide or you get distracted. God can still use you. He used John Mark. Maybe you're divorced and maybe you've lived with someone else other than your spouse at one time. And you say, God can't use me. God used the woman at the well. Every excuse we come up with, God is reminding us that there is no excuse. He has called each of us to serve. Paul himself, who's writing these words, he was a murderer of Christians before he came to know Jesus. And so the excuse... that we have often, is that God can't use me. Uh, there's no way I could, I could be used. I, I'm a failure. You know what? God wants to use you. Now, now, here's the hope for you today. The hope is not that you're not a failure. Because guess what? You have failed. I have failed. I've got news for you. You do not have what it takes to be a servant. You don't. None of you do. I don't have what it takes to be a servant. God is the one who gave the gifts, and when we serve, we're serving with the gifts that he has given to us. 
And so the excuse to say that I am inadequate is not holding water because the answer is, so? Yes, you are. So was Moses. So was David. So was Gideon. So was Rahab. So are you. So am I. And Paul says, grow deep in the things of God and understand that when you begin to serve him, it's not about who you are in yourself. It's who you are in God. And this excuse of being inadequate because of your failure does not hold true. See, God, he not only can still use you, he wants to use you. We feel at times that we are failures or inadequate, ordinary. I think when we look in the mirror, we say, God, are you sure that you really want me to serve in that capacity? You really want me to do that? I want to read to you a a verse from Acts chapter 4. It's verse 13. It's not in your outline. Don't turn there. You may want to jot it down to read it later. But it's been a great encouragement to me, and I think it can be an encouragement to some of you here today. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized that they were unschooled and ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. You see, the power of God was moving through Peter and John, and they noticed they were ordinary and unschooled men. But they took note that something's happening here, and these men had been with Jesus. Who is it in your circle of influence that looks at you and goes, I am astonished how ordinary and average and inadequate they are. But yet God is working through them. They're taking note that you have been with Jesus. You see, God wants you and I to serve, to give of ourselves to someone outside of our own comfort zone, to bring glory to his name. And we often make excuses because we think that we are inadequate when that's the very thing that qualifies us to serve because he is more adequate than what we would ever be. In those moments of feeling inadequate, that excuse may feel real, but it doesn't hold water. Another reason I think we feel inadequate, it may not be just because of our failures. A number two in here, write this in. We forget our source of strength. I feel inadequate not just because I have failed in the past and and I have a long laundry list of of problems in my life or or, uh, gaps or idiosyncrasies or failures, but I also can forget my source of strength. 1 Corinthians 12, 6 says, The same God works all of them, all these gifts, in all men. It is God who works these gifts. In verse 7 of chapter 12, it says, These gifts are a manifestation of the Spirit. So God is the one who is empowering us. The picture that we see here is almost the picture of of a puppeteer where God is, is using us, but He is the life in us to serve. Well, we feel inadequate when we step out and we get a little bit overconfident. We begin to take an attitude and say, Well, I... I am pretty good with numbers. They're pretty lucky to have me on the team. You know, I, I, I am really good with words. And, you know, when I, when I speak, it's, it's pretty good. So they, uh, they're lucky to listen to me. You know, I, I, I don't know why nobody can see the problem. I can see the problem and the answer so quick. God has given me a great mind and <laughs> they just need to be lucky enough to be around me. See, we begin to feel inadequate when we get overconfident. We begin to put our weight in our own strength. And guess what happens? 
You can live life that way for about seven and a half minutes before something hits you and you realize you are not all that you thought that you were. Someone will come across your path and remind you of how much you are not what you think you are. And then you get discouraged. And then you get defensive. Then you get bitter. Then you get all crusty and gross. And then you begin to say, I don't need to serve. I'm not going to do that. And an excuse is, I am not worthy to be a servant. And God says, you're right. Now serve. Another thing he has here for us is the second excuse. It's an excuse of indecision. It may not be that I feel inadequate, but it's an excuse of indecision. It's the heart that says, you know what? It's not that I don't want to serve, or I don't feel adequate to serve. I just don't know where to serve, and I don't know how to serve. It's this excuse of indecision. I don't know where, and I don't know how to serve. You see, for a short while, you can use that excuse. But just like ignorance, Paul's going to take this away and he's going to show us how to serve. It's kind of like this excuse gets old. You can say, I'm not sure where to do it, but pretty soon you're going to start dying yourself if you don't find a place to serve. A sponge, if it soaks up water and soaks up water and soaks up water and never ever releases the water, it will begin to rot with mildew and all kinds of things will happen. I want you to practice with me right now. In a second, I want you to take a deep breath, but I want you to hold it, and you're going to take another one, all right? On your mark, get set, take a deep breath. Now breathe in again. Don't let it out. Breathe in again. Don't let it out. Breathe in again. Some of you are about ready to pass out. We better quit. Your very body is not created to inhale and inhale and inhale and inhale. You have to exhale. There has to be a time when you give of yourself. God has given you a gift. He has put things in you. And if you just soak it all up, you take it all in, you will begin to die. You'll begin to die spiritually. You'll begin to have moldy, crusty stuff grow on you. Well, I don't know, I don't know where to serve. You didn't hear my excuse. You're telling me that I have to serve, but I don't know where to serve. Well, well hold on. I'm going to answer that, but we first need to know that we have to serve to live. Now, there was a book that radically changed my thinking on serving. I I read it about 10 or 12 years ago. It's been out longer than that. And uh, it's a book by Richard Foster entitled Celebration of Discipline. In there, he talks about serving, and I want you to listen to a quote from Richard Foster. There's a difference between choosing to serve and choosing to be a servant. When I choose to serve, I retain control about who I serve and when I serve. But when I choose to be a servant, I've given up all rights and all control. Oh my goodness, that's good. There's a difference between choosing to serve and choosing to be a servant. When I choose to serve, I retain all of uh, the control when I choose to serve. But when I choose to be a servant, I've given up all my rights. So my excuse is, I don't know where to serve. I don't know how to serve. I want to caution you because I'm not sure that's at the heart. Often we say, well, I don't know where I could serve. Well, how about over here? Well, I don't, I don't know if I'd like it over there. Well, I don't know where to serve. Well, you could serve over here. Well, I don't know if I want to commit for that long. And so the real issue behind this excuse of not knowing where to serve or how to serve is an issue of, I'd really like to serve and not be a servant, Okay. I want to retain control of of myself. But if I'm going to live a life of a servant, the question of where and when is answered for you everywhere all the time. 
Well, I'd love to serve, I just don't know where. Well, where are you sitting? Serve right there. Where are you at tomorrow? Serve right there. Well, I don't know how. Do you see any needs around you? Serve right there. See, the excuse of I don't know where to serve or how to serve is only held on to the person who says, I'm going to sign up once every 365 days to serve. But the person who surrendered themselves to be a servant says, I'm willing to serve wherever you need me. I'm willing to serve whenever I am needed. I'm willing to serve no matter who gets the credit. I'm willing to serve no matter what context it's in, whether it's in this building or outside of this building. Look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's go back to verse 8. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. Still to another interpretation of tongues. And all these work All these are the work of the same Spirit, and He gives to each one just as He determines. So what we catch here is there's a number of different gifts, and it is God, it is His Holy Spirit, He chooses how He's going to distribute the gifts among us. He is the one who has given them to you, and so an excuse to serve, I don't know how or where, or I don't have what I wish I had, is taken away because God is the one who says, this is the gift that would suit you best, this is what I want you to serve with. Paul lists nine different gifts here in this passage. If we look at those other three chapters that I referenced earlier in the New Testament, we come up with between 18 and 21 different spiritual gifts, depending on how you read them and what scholars you look to. There's a bunch of different spiritual gifts in the Bible. And the point here is, I think the takeaway for us today is, you don't have to have some deep theological training to begin to serve. You don't have to have gifts that look like somebody else to begin to serve. God is the one who has given you the gift. They look different among us, but God wants you to use them and use them now. Well, why? This is how we grow deeper in the things of God. This is how we mature in the things of God. When it comes to service, we are only limited by our lack of creativity. God has given you opportunities to serve every day, every place you are at, every situation you find yourself. And so the excuse of I don't know where or when or how is the cry of someone who says, I want to retain control because I don't want to serve at work. Or I don't want to serve every Sunday. I don't want to serve Every place I go, I need to have some time when it's about me. That's a whole other message. We'll talk about that later. See, when God calls us to serve, he is calling us to live a life of service. And I want you to catch this, that when God calls us to serve, he is not short on soldiers in the army. God is not begging and pleading with you because his work is not going to get done unless you pitch in because he's kind of shorthanded. God is not up there wringing his hands going, oh my goodness, what are we going to do if we don't get more people to sign up for this event? What are we going to do if we don't get more people to sign up for this ministry? God does not need you. He doesn't need me. But God loves us so much, I have no idea why he wants to do this. He says, I want you to have the joy of serving in my kingdom. He invites you in to experience what would be the best joy you could ever know. 
He is the one who wired you. He created you. He put you together. You want to have the best life possible? Start serving. But we have been brainwashed in our culture that the most fun, the most relaxation, the most enjoyment is when we are served. That vacation on the beach where I sit back and do nothing and people bring me Diet Cokes and cheeseburgers all day long. That would be the best. No, it'd be kind of good. But no, it's not the best. I I am wired and you are wired that when we are serving, using our spiritual gift, that is the best that life has to offer. And God says, I don't want you to miss it. And Paul is saying, church, grow up and see that this is the very exciting place of life. God wants us to get in on his economy and see how he has called us to serve. Here's another excuse. If it's not inadequacy, if it's not indecision, it's indifference. It's indifference. It's this heart that says, I just don't feel like serving. I just got to be honest, Pastor Brady, I just don't feel like it today. I just don't feel like serving. Now, we don't say that out loud very often. Some of, some of you may, but not many of us say it out loud. And it's not the most noble of excuses, but I do think, church, it's the most common excuse of why we don't serve. If we get right down to the heart of it, it's some form of, I just don't feel like serving today. We think that something else would make us more happy. But in verse 12, look what it says. The body is a unit, the human body. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. Then he says, so it is with Christ. Paul says that each and every one of us in the body of Christ plays a different part in the body. And so this excuse to say, I don't feel like it, it doesn't just affect us, it affects everybody else around us. I I don't know about you, but when I get hurt, I see no sense in me having pain and not letting everyone in my house know that I am miserable. I am a big baby, I'm a whiner. And and so, if I cut my (laughs) finger, I'm going to come over here, (laughs) preach to this side. (laughs) If I cut my finger... It hurts. I not only want everybody to know, but it affects the rest of my body. I'm a big baby with pain, and it could run my day. And Now I can't type right, and I can't do the phone right, and I drive, and my finger is hurt, and it affects everything about who I am. This is kind of a sidebar. You know, there's some people who live their life in pain every single day. And when you're talking to them and you're interacting with them and they respond to you in a way that you don't think is right, it may be good to run through the filter. They may not be as much of a baby as you or I am with pain. And maybe it's the pain speaking. We need to be gracious and understanding with one another that they may be dealing with some physical pain that we don't know about. You see, when we have pain in our body or something is not working in our body, it affects everything. Those of you who have had some kind of physical condition, you can testify to that. When your eyes aren't working the way you want them to work, it affects everything around you. When your ears aren't working the way you want them to work, it affects everything. When your ears aren't working the way you want them to work, you can see it. You can, it affects everything. Paul is saying, this is the way it is with the spiritual gifts. Well, I don't feel like doing that, Pastor Brady. Hey, before you start digging a rut in that excuse, know that it's not about just your feeling. You affect the rest of the body of believers when you take up that cause. 
See, if the whole body was an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body was an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the whole body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body of Christ. So Paul says, listen, it's important for us to break through just how we feel and begin to see that when we serve, it is something that affects the entire body. So what happens when we don't serve? We just don't feel like it. It affects someone else. You say, well, pastor, I get that, but, but let's get to the heart of it. I just don't feel like it. How do, I, how do I deal with the fact I don't feel like serving? Well, I'm glad you asked. The, the, the worst thing you can do is try to get yourself to feel like serving. Try to ramp yourself up to feel like serving. What you need to do is you need to focus on living a life led and controlled by the Holy Spirit. So the first thing is learn to operate in the Spirit. If you have not come on Sunday night, tonight is a great night to come. We are talking about living a life led and controlled by the Holy Spirit, walking in the Spirit. And we're going to begin to see the, the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to talk about that tonight. It'll, it'll dovetail in what we're looking at this morning. But how do we overcome this indifference? I don't feel like it. Operate in the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit's job to change your heart. It's the Holy Spirit's job to change your attitude. It's the Holy Spirit's job to give you eyes to see things differently. When you begin to live in obedience to the Holy Spirit, He takes care of the feeling part. But sometimes we don't serve because we go, you know what, I just don't feel like it. Instead of saying, you know what, that's a good indication that I need to press in to what God has for me walking in the Spirit. Here's another thing we need to do. We need to start right away. Most of us don't feel like serving, and so we put it off. The best thing we can do is to start serving right now. I've met very few people who will say, you know what, I don't ever want to serve my whole life till, till I'm dead. I don't ever want to serve. I haven't met anybody, in fact, who's ever said that to me. But I've met many people who've said, I just don't feel like serving right now. I just can't serve right now. I'm going to have to wait till the kids are grown and gone, and then I can serve. I'm going to have to wait until things get slower at work and then I can serve. Or I'm going to have to wait until I can hire another person at work and, and then I can serve. Or, or I'm going to have to wait until, you know what, my kids stop having grandkids. I've got too many grandkids and I've got all kinds of things and I've got enough going on in my own family. And once the season of life changes and once all the stars align and, and once I begin to see things happen, then I will serve. If you want to get beyond the I don't feel like serving problem, just start serving right away over the last 14 years in, in ministry I've, I've heard many people say this i think it's well-intentioned people but they say well brady you know what uh you asked me to serve in the community or in the church somewhere i just don't feel led to serve i just don't feel led to serve well you know what i, I just want to say to them you know what i i think you do have leading you have led you just have lead in your pants and you just can't move anywhere I've never had the boldness to say that to anybody, but it just feels kind of good to say. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not suggesting that if you don't take every opportunity that's given to you that you're not a good Christian, you're not serving. I'm not saying that every person who wants to give you an opportunity to serve is the voice of God for you. And there is definitely a time to pray and seek the leading of the Lord and when and, and how we serve in particular ways. But... If you look at your life and there's no avenue of service and there's no place you're getting beyond yourself and you continue to say, I just don't feel led, you know, let's stop blaming the Holy Spirit for our disobedience and using our gift. Right. Begin to say, God, could you use me somewhere today? 
Here's a final excuse. It's an excuse of insignificance. It's an excuse that would, would have the heart that would say, you know what? I'm not really, I'm not really needed. This act of serving would be so small, it's not going to accomplish enough. It's, it's just kind of a weak effort to be humble at best and a declaration of our own inferiority complex at worst. And we're saying, you know what, I, I would serve. It's not that I'm inadequate. I know that God's adequate. But, but you know what, I just, it's not enough. This act of service is not enough. I want you to be clear And when we make that excuse what we're saying. God, you have given me a gift, but your gift is not enough. I know I'm inadequate, and you're the strength, but your strength isn't enough. I know you'll give me the words to say, but really your words are not enough. I know you'll give me the timing and the the passion, but that's not really enough. But friend, we make this excuse often, and Paul saw it in the first century church, and I believe it still happens in the church today, and and we need to address this. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 21 says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. The parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. The parts that that we see as unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lack it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for one another. He's saying every gift that I have given has a place to play. Every person in the body of Christ has the significance. One of the things I love about Grace Point is there are many people who have been gifted to serve behind the scenes. You will never see them, and they don't ever want to be seen. But, but a community like this does not take place because of a handful of people who stand in front and happens by an army of people who give them themselves behind the scenes over and over and over again. But church, this is not just a way to operate in a church service. But when we serve, we need to use our gifts outside these walls, not just Sunday morning, not just Sunday night, not just Wednesday night, but every day of the week. I like how one author put it, God gave me a gift, but it's not for me, it's for you. God gave you a gift, but it's not for you, it's for me. When I don't use the gifts that God has given to me, I am robbing from you. And when you don't use the gifts that God has given to you, you are cheating me. God wants to use you. Is there somebody in your life today that you could serve? Is there some cause in your heart that you just wish that somebody would champion? Maybe you're the one to champion that cause. Do you have a coworker or a neighbor in crisis that you could serve? Is there a burden that you carry that you see that no one else is carrying? Church, as we close today, I, I want to take away the ignorance, and give you opportunities to know that your service is needed. Here's just a handful of things that you could do on this property. We are in need of people who would give their time in greeting and be a hostess. We need people who would work in the kitchen, those who know how to work in the kitchen and those just who know how to clean the kitchen. We could use your help. We need people to serve in the nursery and the preschool department. Not just warm bodies who want to show up, but people who say, you know what, kids are important to God, therefore kids are important to me, and I want to give my best in helping train up the next generation. We need people to serve and give of themselves in our children's ministry. We need people who would be willing to write a note of encouragement to someone who is sick or someone who has been gone. 
write a, a note of welcome to someone who is new. We could use some people who could serve to help prepare and to serve food at a funeral dinner. Upward soccer is coming up, and, and we're in need of, of many coaches, and, and we need people who will be sideline missionaries. If you know nothing about soccer, but you know Jesus, you can be a sideline missionary. You just show up at, at the practices, and you begin to build relationships with parents, looking for an opportunity to share your love with them and the love that Jesus has given to you. There's help that we need in, in the food pantry. Adopt a block, hands-on homework, the list goes on and on. There are hundreds of places that you could serve here. And I want to challenge you to call into the office or sign up and let us know that you're willing and we would love to connect you there. But I think the biggest heart of that today is the fact that we only serve in our mind on this property. What would it look like if you would begin to go out of this property and you would look for people to serve somewhere else? As we end today, I just want to share a couple ways that you could do that. I don't know if you've heard of a concept or a term called servant evangelism. This is a thought or an idea that comes from the New Testament that we would say, you know what? I want to give a simple act of kindness to show God's great love. So I just may give a a warm gesture. I may give a small gift, some token of, of my love to a stranger to say, you know what? God loves you. There's no strings attached in this gift. I'm not advertising for something. I'm not trying to get you to sign up for something. You don't have to do something for me. I've been given things I don't deserve. I want to bless you with something. Maybe you're here today, and before you leave, and we're going to pray and leave in about a minute or two. If you're here, you say, you know what, I need some ideas of how to serve some people in my community. I don't quite know how to do that. You may want to come up after and pick up a bookmark here or there, and it talks about what servant evangelism is and some simple ways that doesn't cost you hardly anything, that you could serve somebody around you at work, at school, in your neighborhood, with a simple act of kindness showing God's great love. I didn't want to just inform you of how to do something today. I want to take away our excuse and get at our ignorance and begin to give God an opportunity to help us serve right now today. Some of you may want to take me up on a giving challenge and serving challenge. Carrie and I prepared for you today a gift bag. It's not for you. But if you're here and you're going to go out to lunch and you're already hungry, you're already thinking about where and when and you've already decided and you can't wait till I stop talking so you can get there. Hang on, this is for you. This is a gift bag that we have prepared for your waiter or waitress. Inside is a drink and some candy and some mints and some gum and a couple pens. Everybody steals your server's pens and they don't have anything there. And on the outside, it's a little card that says, We didn't know who you would be, but we prayed for you today. We want to give you a simple gift to say that God loves you, no strings attached. You're not wanting something from them. It intentionally does not have the church name on here. Uh, You could put your name on there if you're willing to build a relationship with them. Now, now don't misunderstand me. If the opportunity arises, you give every reason for the hope that you have in Jesus. This is not like an undercover thing where you can't talk about Jesus. You tell them what Jesus has done for you. But this is a way to to give of yourself. And and so, in just a minute, I'm going to pray. And there's 12 of them up here. And if you're going out to lunch and you want to take me up on that challenge to serve in this capacity, there, there is a rule. You cannot take these and and give this to your server unless you tip 20% or more. Now hear me, I'm serious about this. I have like cameras all over the city, so I'm going to know if you're going to do it wrong. (laughs) Do not take this. I'm not handing out free tips for your lunch today, okay? You know what? This is a great gift, but this will not pay the bills for, for the server's kids, all right? 
If you like giving tracts about the gospel message, when, when you go out to eat somewhere, heavens, give a great tip whenever you do that. This is not, you know, something better than money can buy. Yes, Jesus is better than what money can buy, but you've got some, and pay for your meal. Let them feed their kids. Sorry, I'm a little passionate about that, but you can decide if you want to. Now, and here's what could happen. We may pray, and nobody takes any. That's okay. I may just leave them there until somebody decides to serve. And I'm not saying you have to do it this way. You may say, well, I don't like a purple bag. I don't think guys want that. It's got girls handwriting on it. Then don't do it. Come up with your own way to serve. But I want to challenge you. Don't wait for someone else. You say, you know what? I'm going to step up. I'm, I'm going to grab a bag and I'm going to do that serving experiment today. The heart is, I can't provide this for you every week. What if you experienced just a taste of what a lifestyle of serving could look like? Paul says, we'll go deeper in the Lord if we begin to look on how we can use our gift. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for how you are training us and shaping us to be men and women after your heart. I pray that you will prompt some of us today to look for those creative ways to serve people in our community. We're not just trying to get them to boost an attendance roster. We really want to love on them with our life. Lord, I pray that you'll use the spiritual gifts in this room today. Some have a gift of discernment. Some have a gift of evangelism. Some have a gift of helps. Some have a gift of teaching. And I pray your body will bring a beautiful tapestry to you today all across Fort Wayne. Thank you for loving us enough to not force us to serve, but to give us an opportunity to be a part of one of the greatest joys in our life. In your name I pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great afternoon. If you want to take the serving challenge, come up and grab a bag, grab a bookmark. See you tonight at 6 o'clock as we see how we can walk in the Spirit.